You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. I want to share with you this morning about the importance of vigilance. I remember a lesson, a hard lesson, about how important it is to be vigilant in your life. You can think you are on top of it, that you are watching it, you are really just on your game and, you know, a certain area of your life. And, I mean, everything requires it, right? If you get on the highway, you've got to be vigilant. If you're working with kids, I can imagine moms as your kids are back to school. Dads, you too, but I think especially with moms, you're like, you know, making sure everything's taken care of and, and you're listening for, you know, especially if they're in a new school, how did it go? And you're asking them, teachers and class, and friends and friends and foes, you know, just you're on high alert, vigilant, so important. But I remember the, the, the day that I got that lesson hard. Susan and I had bought, a, we had a number of kids, this was many years ago, and uh, we were driving to, to uh, back from Florida, back to New York. We were, had vi- been visiting my family in Pensacola. If my, mem- my memory serves me correctly, Pensacola is right on the coast in the Florida panhandle in the Gulf, and uh, and a hurricane was coming. So the best thing to do is like, yeah, I don't want to get stuck here and that. So like, I guess vacation is getting cut short, kids. By the way, when your parents live near the beach or not too far, you know, and free childcare, and you can go hang out at the beach, that's great. The problem is I got skin cancer later on, so I might should sue the state of Florida, the Sunshine State, or somebody. Somebody ought to be able to take liability for that, right? But we were driving back from Florida, left early, and I mean, this is road trip with little kids. We're talking like two, three days. This is before DVD players in the minivan, all right? We had bought this minivan new. We didn't have all the bells and whistles. I was just glad for a radio, you know, and uh, I, I think it had a CD player. I don't even remember at this point. It probably did. And so we get off, I think we were in Georgia, South Carolina somewhere, and you know, and we didn't want to leave as early as we did. It's hot, and we're just kind of tired, and we know we got a long ways to go. And so we pull off at kind of this gas station slash rest stop area. And, and our bathroom breaks, like, I don't know what your road trips are like, you know, kind of like, okay, everybody, we're on the clock, ready, go, you know, hit them and get back. But when you've got little kids... You can't send, you know, all these kids to the bathroom alone. So we kind of did shifts, you know. You take these two or three. And, and so I remember getting out of the car, and, and, and because it was a newer vehicle for us then, the, you know, the, it was the first car that I ever owned that you couldn't lock the door without the key, the driver's side. You know, you couldn't just hit the button and lock your keys in. So I thought, this is great. You know, this is great for little kids. So I hopped out, left my key in the car, no big deal. I'm just standing right there. What I did not know was that the passenger side doors are able to lock all the doors in the car. One of my kids hopped out, my young guys, thought they were being vigilant and helpful, promptly hopped out, locked the door, hit the lock button, because they'd seen Dad do it before, and shut the door. And as it was shutting, I was like, oh, I can't get into my car. One moment, and we waited hours upon hours with two more days of driving to get home for the tow truck guy to come jimmy us and get us back into our car. One momentary lapse of vigilance can make a bad day. One momentary lapse of vigilance, if we're being awesome, can honest, can make a lifetime and make a long season of headache. I want to talk to you about the importance of vigilance. Our 
we kind of go through life and we kind of go in and out. A lot of times when we want rest, we just want to stop being vigilant, right? Because we know like at work, there's moments you got to kind of really pay attention in different things. Vigilance is important. It's exhausting. It's tiring because it requires such focus. It's really not a lot of fun if you're really having to be vigilant, you know. But there's three things as we wrap up the book of Romans that Paul is challenging us. And the word that came to my mind as I was reading just kind of his closing things, is just he's given us three things that we need to not forget that we need to be vigilant about in our lives as followers of Jesus. So read with me, if you would, in Romans chapter 16. The Bible says this in Romans 16, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We'll finish up the rest of the uh, chapter here a little bit. And just, But for now, the first thing I want you to recognize is that we are to be vigilant about gospel teaching. As Paul has been unpacking the gospel from beginning to end, he stepped into this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, resulting in salvation for everyone who believes. And the whole book, as we've been talking week after week, is the how the gospel works and the need to be saved, that we're saved by faith and surrendering our life to Jesus Christ. And He reaches down out of heaven and He it's as if He plucks us out of hell and He redeems us through the blood of Jesus. And, and then we transition about how God had been working that all through generations past just to come into our life now in, in the middle of where we are today. And, and in the last number of chapters, we've been talking about the implications of what that means for our life, how we live and how we're supposed to be and function as a, as a church. And Paul is telling us, he says, guys, be careful for the people in your life who are teaching things that are different than what you've learned, different than what we've been talking about, different from the other biblical teachings that you've learned. Be careful from those individuals who are creating divisions, who are putting obstacles. In other words, intentionally setting landmines in your path, intentionally trying to trip you. Be careful. Watch those and avoid those divisions. One of the games, I don't know, Phil, if we're going to be able to, if we're playing or not, you know, but it's Mario Kart. How many of you are familiar with Mario Kart? The youth are going to be playing this, hopefully. Some of you are. If you don't know what it is, then you've not played it, you know, all right? It's probably one of the best video games ever from my generation on through today has played Mario Kart. It's crazy. And one of the things with it, it's just you get your little race car and you're running around the track, right? And, uh, and the goal is to win. But the thing is, is you can throw all kinds of stuff at the other guys, like bananas and bombs and turtle shells and all kinds of things that trip up. And you can, there are obstacles against the other team or against the other person. What Paul is telling us is in our life, there are people just like that in our lives who are going to, through either you know, smooth speaking or flattering words or just teaching, they're going to be tripping us up in our faith. And the goal, just like in Mario Kart, is to swerve and avoid them. 
It's not to plow over them or run over them or that kind of thing. It's to say, no, I'm going to sidestep this. I see what you're teaching. I see what you're doing. I'm not buying. You're laying it down, but I'm not picking it up. And for us to go around that, that we are to be vigilant about the teachings of the Bible and of the gospel. Now, for us, there's all kinds of things we could talk about, but clearly, as we've been walking through Romans, one of the big things that Paul is concerned about is focused is salvation. You see, there are many churches today that teach that salvation is something that you primarily have to do in order to gain or experience. In a nutshell, it boils down to that. There are many religions that teach you must do something. What is unique about biblical Christianity, biblical faith, is that God has done all of the work. He has done all the heavy lifting. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And in our world, all that happens in our life is that we believe that we surrender our lives in a believing faith and a surrendering faith to Jesus and we receive what He did, that He paid the price on the cross. And so for us, that means we need to be careful of, of, some, of organized religion, that all religions are not teaching the same, neither are all churches teaching the same. And the Bible says, be careful, be vigilant, that we are to listen for the, the correct and accurate teachings of God's Word. And in today, a second thing, and this is all out of chapter 1, and we won't walk through the whole thing, but Paul went on in chapter 1 talking about how that the world is, is spiraled and, and sinful. And I don't know if you remember, if you were here a number of months ago, but we talked about kind of that sinful free fall that God eventually lets us go. He lets go of the rope, and we fall into it. And one of the, the kind of the symptoms or one of the um, ultimate realities is when there is just a confusion about sexuality. And today, as we, you know, in the world that we're in, it really, for us as Christians, what well, we shouldn't be surprised because the world is a sinful, messed up place. And when a culture is just kind of embraced that, then it becomes more of a cultural norm. But we as Christians ought to be careful because many churches today, more and more that have in the past seemed like they were talking about the right gospel, they've either gotten hit by an oil slick from Mario or they have taken a shot from a bomb or whatever, but they're laying out more for us and they want us to just to say, you know, it's okay for people to, um, you know, to, to sexually to change the genders and all of the different identities and all of those things, that it's normal, it's okay. And as we walk through Romans, it's not the way that God made us in this world. And so as a church, we're not going to go far down that topic because we've already talked about it, but as a church, we have to hold to God's Word, and many churches today are not. So Paul says, be vigilant about the teaching. Because there's many cool words that are coming along and many things that people are speaking, and they are going to trip you up. They are going to be an obstacle in your life, and all of us need to be vigilant in our life for the gospel. Now, we're to be vigilant for that reason. We're to be vigilant for another reason. Not just are people trying to trip us up, but we, we actually have an enemy against us because he says, look, he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's subtly telling us, he doesn't come out and overtly say it, but he's kind of by inference saying, look, you've got people trying to trip you up and they're going to lure you into evil. I want you to be ignorant of that. It's good to be naive. It's good to not have a clue 
about some of the really bad stuff that's going on. I hope you're ignorant and innocent of that. Some of you have jobs where you're not able to be ignorant and innocent of it. Most of us don't, and most of it's healthy. We don't need to be like, what crazy stuff is going on today? We don't need to plumb the depths of, of just awfulness. It's not healthy for us and for the world around us. Paul says it's good for that. But what he's telling us when he says, the God of peace, in other words, this stuff creates chaos, so keep your eyes that God is a God of peace. He's going to soon crush Satan under your feet. He's telling us this, that there's an enemy at work in the world around us. We shouldn't be surprised by this, but we need to be vigilant because it's not just the things that are going on in the world around us, it's the, that we do see it's the things going on in the world around us and the one that's behind those things, the one we don't see, the enemy of God, Satan. And God is saying it not to, not to uh, kind of you know, dampen the party or to depress us. What he's telling us is just say, hey, this is reality, but I want you to notice that you will have grace. That's what he says in verse 20. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In other words, guys, I know it's hard. I know you're the church and you've got to stay vigilant on the gospel. You're a family and your family's got to stay vigilant on the gospel in the world where there's all kinds of ideas coming in and speaking into whether it's our kids' lives and our families or into other churches or just in general. We're bombarded with all kinds of things meant to trip us up and slow us down and meant to get us off track. Paul is saying, Guys, you've got to be vigilant in your life with what you believe and your actions and what you're doing to make sure you're staying true to the truth of God's Word and the teaching of God's Word. And yes, there's an enemy behind it, but be encouraged because the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you. When you start feeling overwhelmed by the things in the world around you, and there's moments when you do, there's moments if, if you're like me that, it's okay. I can handle a lot. I can take it. I'm ready for it. And there's other moments I'm tired, either I've just whatever, worn out, or I'm just, just whatever, that I struggle and I get discouraged and down like you do. And what Paul is saying is, guys, it's the grace of God that we will not only survive, but we thrive and everything is okay. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus. So he's telling us to be vigilant about the teaching and the process of it all is that God's grace will help us as we live out our life through these things because this world for us, this is not a game. It is not Mario Kart. It's real life, and these are real things, but we stay on Him, and His grace will help us get through. Second thing I want you to recognize, not only should we be vigilant about the teaching of the gospel, but we also should be vigilant about the proclamation of the gospel. I'm not going to read verses 21 through 23, they're important, but they're kind of like a whole bunch more Latin names again like last time. It's the same thing, so I'm going to let you read that on your own. But read with me then in verse 25. The Bible says this. This is the final of the final closing. Paul says this. He says, Now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed. The gospel of Jesus was kind of obscured. It was hidden. It was covered, if you will. But now God has pulled up the shades. He's shined a spotlight on the gospel so that people could be saved. 
And he says, it's now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, in other words, the teaching of God's words, and it's been made known to all nations, all peoples, according to the command of the eternal God. If you don't think God is not in charge, just read that for a second. God has made sure by His command that the good news of Jesus Christ is to be spread and is being spread to all the nations of the world, that there's no place where it cannot go, there's no place where it should not go, at the very command of our eternal God. And His ultimate end game, it says of this, is to bring about the obedience of faith. He wants people everywhere to have faith, that surrendering faith to to. That believing is the obedience part of the gospel. Not the doing of it, but the believing. And that's his end game. And the ultimate goal of all of that is that you and I would look to the God of heaven and say, and join Paul in this and say, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So the second thing that we need to be vigilant about is not just the teachings of the gospel in our life, and our families, and our church or churches. But we also need to be vigilant about the proclamation of the gospel. You see, God has been working His same game plan. He hasn't changed game plan. It's not like He got into the, you know, the, the, the start of the NFL season and like, man, my strategy is not working. I'm losing here. I'm not making it. He's been working the exact same game plan from all of eternity past, all the way through. And his game plan is nothing short of the declaration, the announcement, the offering, the invitation, the sharing of, the, the, the caring of people to the point that they can hear and see the gospel and that they in turn in obedience would believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is, he says, we are to be vigilant about the proclamation of that gospel because it's what God has been doing all along. It's what He's about. It's so easy in our lives to miss that, is it not? We go through a lot. Any of you don't have enough to do in life? Anybody here this morning? Our students are back to school. The reason none, the reason we, it's like it's like a love hate thing with school, right? Like, oh, I gotta go back and I got homework. When I talk with kids, so are you ready to go back to school? I kind of get kind of that bubble looks. Well, I'm looking forward to my friends. Recess is kind of cool, you know. Sports is kind of cool. Homework, yeah, nobody likes homework, right? Or at least not most normal people in my world. The teachers in the room are like, Sean, you're killing me. Like, don't set my kids up for a fall, right? So moms, don't don't just hang with me, all right? So anyway, but we get. It's a focus that we're supposed to have in that, and we're busy, and we're doing all of this stuff. And the thing that slips in my life, and it probably slips in your life, and it slips in churches more than ever, is how much we are to be about the proclamation of the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. Folks, this world is messed up. You didn't need me to tell you that. You knew that before you came in. And the thing is, as Christians, our goal isn't to fix the country. It's not to make ourselves more comfortable with our laws and the systems, fully to protect ourselves and all of that. Yes, it's healthy to use the laws that we have to do the best we can in that. Ultimately, guys, 
the only thing that fixes the world is fixed people. And the only thing that fixes people, that heals people, is the gospel of Jesus. That's what the world needs. And so every person, you and I look out, whether it be Tractor Supply, every week people coming and going and buying their things on a Sunday and your neighbors that get out and every and the teachers in the room for your kids in the classroom. I recognize that you don't have the ability to stand up and walk into class today. You know what? We're going to close the math book today. Science is going to be tabled. You know, English and reading, we're going to table it. Let me talk to you about Jesus. You know, you, you can't even pull the little fast one, you know, if you're teaching the, your kids their numbers. Let's talk about the 12 apostles today, kids. Can you count the apostles? You know what an apostle is? You, you know, that obviously is not going to fly. But nothing can stop you from praying for those kids in your class and the gospel in their lives. Nothing can stop you from praying for their families. And listen, the God of heaven is bigger than what goes on in the classroom. What would happen, and maybe some of you teachers are doing this already, I don't know, but what would happen if just year after year you made a commitment of praying for their salvation, not just that you would survive the year or that they would get their subject or they would work through whatever the things you see in their life, but what would happen if you pray for their souls and the souls of their families? You see, the proclamation of the gospel is so important. What would happen if, if we prayed for our neighbors that way, if we prayed for our co-workers that way, and people that we see? You know, to be honest with you, it would get a little overwhelming, a little exhausting. If I all of a sudden became responsible for the world, I wouldn't get out of bed. I wouldn't. So I'm not saying, Sean, I can't do that for everybody Totally get it. So maybe ask God and find the two or three or four or five or six or ten or whatever your bandwidth is and your caring heart and your capacity to love and you're your, your praying for them, but, but have those individuals and pray for them and invest in caring in them and see what God does and pray that somewhere along the line, whether it be with you or with somebody else in a situation, that there could be an invitation to, to either to know Jesus or an invitation to a church or a Christian uh, opportunity event, but where they can hear that gospel and be saved. So pray, you know, build that into your life that it's the proclamation of the gospel that we cannot lose focus of because Paul says this is what's been going on for the world from beginning to the very end. And the last thing that we need to be vigilant about is not only the the teaching of the gospel in our lives, the proclamation of the gospel to help other people in this world. Because their only hope is Jesus, but also the glory of God. At the end of the day, there's really only a couple of things you can live for in this world. Take everything that you do. If you could, if you could go back to chemistry class in high school or college or whatever, you know, put all the stuff in a little crucible, turn up the heat and kind of boil it all down, and what do you got left? If you could boil down everything in your life that you do, all the the work that you do, the time you spend on the internet, the, the things you do around your house, the hobbies, the things you do when you're tired. If you just took all of that, dumped it into a big pot, and boiled it down into what are you living for, there's really only going to be one or maybe three answers. You're either living for yourself, living for God, or living for somebody else. It's really really kind of is going to boil down to one of three things. Now, I don't know about you, but living for somebody else seems kind of lame just at the beginning, right? That doesn't feel totally good. So I'm not talking about the Christians serving one another thing. I'm talking about in a bad way, okay? So take that one off the table. 
And we know, because we're all, we're, you know, we're in church, so we're supposed to do this, but we know living for ourselves is a dead end, right? But we're to, we're to live for God. What Paul is saying, though, is there is a vigilance that's needed in our life to step back and to join him and say, now to him, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. There should be a reflection in our heart and soul of the glory of God that we are living yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the whole remaining of our life to reflect the glory of the God of heaven. Now, truth be known, if we were boiling down that little chemistry experiment, our crucible, we were running the test at the end of the day, if we're a follower of Jesus, a good piece of that is going to be that we've lived for the glory of God. You see, folks, you can't really be saved and the God of heaven live inside of you and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you without doing something for Him and living for Him for part of it. So I know that. But we're also sinners. And if we boiled it down, there would be a second thing down inside of there, and that would be living for our own glory. And that's because we're still sinners in this world. You see, when you get... when you got saved, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, when you became a follower of Jesus, when you laid down your life, you made a commitment in your heart and soul to live for Him. And at that time, salvation became real in your life. It was already real in God's mind and heart, but it became real in your life in that moment. You made a commitment to live for His glory. You made a commitment to trust Him for your salvation, and you surrendered your life to Him and, 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 and yielded, if you will, to Him as your Lord and your Savior. You allowed yourself to be put inside of His hand and to belong to Him. That's the commitment you made. But just like when you make a commitment to eat better, or to exercise, or to do some new thing that you are not been doing but you want to do. You can make a commitment. You can put it on your calendar to get up on time. You can set the alarm. But there's always the deal the next day, are you going to hit the snooze button and go back to bed? Are you going to put on the shoes and get out? Or are you going to let the little chance, 10% chance of rain, you see a little cloud out there, be like, yeah, it looks... Weather's terrible today. Oh, that's awful. Oh, it's 40 degrees. It's freezing out there. If it was 41, I would go. But 40, I just, I can't, you know. That's the world we live in, don't we? Even as Christians, we made that commitment to Jesus. But what Paul is kind of calling us back into vigilance is just to check ourselves. Are you living for Him today? In my world, that's a progressive kind of growth. That's the maturity. That's a maturing is a more and more of God me yielding areas of my life I didn't know frankly existed. I didn't understand and my heart to Him. That's, that's where our, our will yields and bends. That's where our lifestyle and our habits and everything begins changing our life as we yield to Him. And what we learn over time is that's where the real blessing of God settles into our soul. See, here's the alternative. If you're not living for God and you're living for yourself, there is a corrosive effect 
that happens on your soul. Just like battery acid on a car battery, or just like a battery in your flashlight, that acid begins to come out and begins to eat at things. and begins to eat away the metal and, and breaks and ruins the battery. That living for self, just doing it for your glory, doing whatever you're doing because you want to do it and it's for you. If we're being honest, even things that we say we're doing for others are ultimately for us. Even on parents, I hate to tell you, a lot of the stuff we do for our kids is for us. It really is, you know, because we'd feel bad if things didn't turn out well. We want them to go and succeed, not just because we want them to succeed, but we want them to succeed for us. We want a part of that. There's so much in our brains to be worked out in our heart, but any of the self things inside of us, it eats away at our soul, and it poisons us. It's toxic inside of us. And outside of that, out of that comes all kinds of other things, and that poison, other people see it, and they feel it, and it's, it's no good. But when we are yielding more and more in our life to, to God and living for His glory, doing the same things, still being a, whether it's doing, being an awesome parent or a worker, employee or whatever, all, all of the scenarios of life, but we're doing it for His glory, not for us, but for Him. There's a purity in that. There's a peace in that. There is a rightness and God's blessing on our soul in the middle of that. And when we're doing it for God, it gives us an endurance in life. You see, when you're doing stuff for you, you won't do the right thing all the time. You won't always do the hard thing that you need to do. But when you're doing it for God, the hard thing that you would bail on, the hard thing that you ought to do, I'm not talking about just doing hard things for hard things, purpose, right? There's no glory in that. There's no good in that. But when you are doing something or you see that you're having to do something that's hard and you're doing it for God's glory, that changes things. You're able to endure and you're able in the middle to walk through it and it gives an endurance and a stability into your life. And when you're doing it for you, you get blown around by every little thing that comes on in this world. So Paul has given us kind of three more little different lights on the dashboard. I've probably used that illustration a lot. There's probably about 50 or 60 lights up there, you know. But this morning, just let's talk about these three. Where are you with the gospel teaching? What is God kind of, which light of these is maybe turning yellow? There might be a problem. Maybe it's turned red, big problem. Maybe it's green. Which one is green? Which one is the Spirit of God like you've been living for that? Sean, this morning I prayed to God to live for His glory. That's awesome. God's the God who's speaking in your heart. But which one of these is maybe your, God's kind of speaking in your soul? I need to pay attention. Maybe it's the gospel teaching. Maybe it's not a being clearly fixed on the gospel, that He's the one that saves you for your sin. Maybe you've been misled by some of those other religions and churches that have taught that it's what you do. It's not who you know. Who you know being Jesus, that you surrendered your life to Him. 
And maybe that's what you need to deal with this morning is to just take that step of faith in Jesus. Or maybe you've taken that step that you're like trying to figure out what's true or not. You're not so sure and there's different teachings. What Paul is saying is, look, if you've heard good Bible teaching in your life and good study, be careful when you hear something new that runs against that. Be suspicious. Be skeptical. Be vigilant about the teaching of God's Word. And maybe you need to commit to kind of dial in and ask questions and look it up and figure it out. I don't know. Maybe, the, maybe it's more the middle light, the middle topic which you need to think about. is the proclamation of the Gospel. We're all busy. But maybe you haven't been thinking about where people's souls are. To be honest with you, more and more when you live for the glory of God, what God cares about are people. And He doesn't just care about the people that are connected to river. He cares about all the people that are out there. And He wants them to be saved too. And so if we're struggling with vigilance about the proclamation of the gospel and in investing and being a part of people's lives, then we're missing a little bit of what God is up to too. Maybe that's where you need to be, or maybe God's just really dialing into you and saying, you know what, I need to take a little inventory. I need to think through why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm feeling what I'm feeling, why I'm thinking this way. And you need to examine that. I don't know which of those God's dealing with in your heart, but one of them, pick, or if there's something else that God's speaking about, respond to Him today. You see, we're, we serve a God who wants to relate to us, who wants to be known. And so when we open His Word, we should all the time, God, speak to me. What are you trying to say? What am I reading? How is it working in my life? Because He wants us to grow. He wants us to know Him, and He wants us to grow. So which of those, what's God saying to you this morning, and respond to Him in that today? Pray with me, would you? Father, I thank You for the Lord Jesus who loved us and gave His life for us. Thank You for the privilege of serving You. And Lord, as we've talked about vigilance, Father, we get tired. Life is hard. It is not easy. And it is just tomorrow is coming. As sure as today came, tomorrow is coming. And Lord, with it, new responsibilities, new issues, new challenges. There's new opportunities. But So Father, it's, it's going to be tough to be vigilant in so many areas of life. And just one little click of the door and closing of it can bring such issues for us. Father, help us to be vigilant about the teaching of your word for our own lives. Help us to be vigilant about the, the, the declaration of salvation and the gospel to the people around us. And help us to be vigilant about living for your glory alone. Lord, I pray this week that these would be three realities in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.